Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 16th episode of The Three-Point Threat. I am your host, Jared Woodcox. Really excited to be back on the show with you guys today. Uh, two days until regular season, guys. We're getting real close, and so wanted to be sure to get a show in today. Uh, for point number one, though, I actually want to cover a bit of breaking news about the Jazz um, so I'm going to be having my J-Notes colleague, John Kiefer, join me on the show. And we're going to go over some kind of roster odds and ends, um, including you know Rodney Hood and Dante Exum. It was announced that they would not be receiving an extension today. Um, not exactly surprising news by any means, but, but kind of a big deal. Then also want to talk about, um, along with that, um, that Joel Ballenboy has been waived, meaning that Royce O'Neal got the final roster spot. So just some odds and ends there for point number one. Then for point number two... I want to take a look at the games that Jazz will be playing this week and preview those. That's going to be something I want to start doing on the show, um, is really looking ahead to who the Jazz have, talking about the key matchups, um, you know, kind of the keys to, to the game, I guess you could say, as well as what we think the results are going to be. So that'll be point number two for John and me. Then finally, point number three, um, just want to give our final thoughts and predictions for the season ahead. Like I said, two days away, we've made it through the offseason, and so John and I are going to discuss for that third and final point what we expect for the Jazz after seeing him in preseason play and knowing all that we know right now. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. Here's point number one. Point one. All right, so joining me now over the phone um, is my J-Notes colleague, John Kiefer. John, how's it going tonight? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. Glad you could come on for a second time. Excited to have you back. Definitely. I like to think back by popular demand. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and you know, <laughs> it's it's exciting because, uh, you know, jazz basketball is just a couple days away, so lots to talk about today. I'm looking forward to it. About time. I know. Seriously. it's Even though we're getting the season started about 10 days earlier than usual, it feels like it's been a really long off season. so <laughs> I'm looking yeah. forward to it. But anyway, so for point number one, uh, John and I wanted to talk a little bit about some roster odds and ends uh, relating to the Jazz. Um, first of all, you know, two of Utah's you know biggest upcoming restricted free agents, Rodney Hood and Dante Exum. This doesn't come as a huge surprise, but neither one of them received a contract extension. Uh, so let's begin with Rodney Hood. I guess, John, what are your thoughts on the fact that the Jazz and Hood couldn't come to an agreement on a contract extension? Um. It makes sense. I think the Jazz are very confident in Rodney Hood. I think they believe in him and think that he can be the uh, go-to option on their offense. But up to this point, I just don't think he's shown enough to justify giving him the type of contract that he wants. Um, I'm kind of curious. I don't know if the Jazz have released what type of numbers were being thrown around and discussed from their end. Um but I imagine that he was looking for something around what Gary Harris got, which is four yeah. years, $84 million. Yeah. Um, and I just, with the injury history he's had, I think the Jazz are just more comfortable giving him less than that. And it's probably better off just playing it out and seeing what he can do this year. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, you know, I, I you know, there's been a lot of guys that are comparable, like TJ Warren and Gary Harris that have gotten – um, extensions and I, I've said it a lot this summer that I really feel like this year is a discovery year and a proving year for the Jazz and Rodney Hood has a lot to prove in my mind. I think he has the potential to be worth that kind of money um, but this is kind of a make or break year for him and I'm actually pretty glad he didn't get an extension just because you know at the end of the day there was quite a bit of risk involved with extending him. Now he's going to be able to kind of put his money where his mouth is to show that he's really worth the amount he thinks he is 
And at the end of the day, you know, he's just going to be a restricted free agent. So it's not like he can leave the Jazz now. If the Jazz like what he does this year and he proves that he's worth a big amount of money, all signs indicate that they're going to do it. They're going to spend on him and keep him. He just has to stay healthy and really show that he's worth that this year. So it's going to be an exciting season for Rodney Hood, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, he, I was looking at it, and it's surprising to think about that he's missed 55 games due to injury in his first three seasons. Yeah. That's a good amount. Mm-hmm. Um, but in his second year, that was really the only year he played a full season, he did average 14.5 points and 2.7 assists, which Gary Harris last year averaged 14.9 points and 2.9 assists, almost the exact same. So I think he's definitely worth the four-year $84 million contract if he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, just for the Jazz, it, it makes the most sense, especially with him being a restricted free agent where you can match any offer. I mean, see if he can do it first. See if he can be that go-to player. Like he, He's never done it. We're asking him to do something for the first time. Like Let's see if he can do it. And if he can, I'm sure the Jazz will pay him for it. Yeah, yeah, he'll kind of reap his own reward based on how he does. And I really feel like if Hood can take, you know, the the points per game he had in that second season and combine that with the three-point efficiency he had last year and hopefully up that even more, he's going to be in a great spot. I mean, he's already proven a lot. There's just a few question marks in there that I understand why the Jazz would be a little hesitant to rush into an extension. So I like it overall. Um, You know, then there's Dante Exum, who I don't think it comes as any surprise that he wasn't extended. Um, this whole situation is really sad to me, John. I know you'll agree. I mean, Exum was looking fantastic in preseason. Everyone predict- predicted him to be breaking out this year. But now, you know, we don't know exactly how long he's going to be out, but the news broke today that he is going to be undergoing surgery, which means he could potentially miss the whole year. That means two of his first four years he hasn't even played. And so, yeah, not surprising to not see him get an extension, but it's just it's just really a big bummer in my mind. Yeah, it's kind of heartbreaking. You got to feel for the guy, mm-hmm. um, especially because I mean we saw him come so far just over the summer league play and his offseason work and then the, the start of the preseason. Like he was just really looking like a different type of player. Um, I mean, his, his explosion after the ACL injury seemed like he was finally back. He was getting to the basket at will. So I mean, really, he was probably one of the players I was most excited to watch this year. So yeah, it's a bummer that he's not going to be able to make it. It makes me wonder what type of offers he's going to be even getting next year as a restricted free agent. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I recently did a piece on uh, the jnotes.com talking about how, you know, you never want to see a player get injured. In no way is this a good thing for XM or the Jazz. But one potential silver lining is that, you know, he's only 22 years old. And, and, you know, a lot of teams are going to be hesitant to offer him big money as a restricted free agent. The Jazz could very well get him at a very, very low price once he hits restricted free agency. And from there, he's still young enough that he could break out and be a star, you know, well into his mid-20s. So I don't want to say that's going to happen for sure, but it would be an awesome situation that that may pan out. We'll see what happens there. Yeah, it definitely could. I'm curious if he's going to be able to come back during the season because time frames I've seen with AC... I think it was an AC joint shoulder surgery. Uh-huh. Uh, generally, it's like four to six months. So, I mean, theoretically, if he's on the shorter end of that, he could make a comeback at the end of the year. And if the Jazz make the playoffs, like, you never know. Maybe we'll be able to see what he can do before the end of the season. Yeah, it would be great. The one thing that really, really makes me sad about this is, you know, you mentioned his explosiveness and things like that. But another thing that stood out to me about, you know, his play in preseason was just his confidence. I felt like all last year, you know, we watched a Dante Exum that didn't really have much confidence. And it stands to reason since he was benched a lot behind Shelvin Mack and things like that. 
but he just looked so confident out there, you know, so explosive, like you said. And I hope that this second setback, you know, doesn't have, make him take major steps backwards in terms of confidence. So we'll see what kind of player we get on the other end of surgery. But just really sad to hear that this is going to be the case with X. And we all kind of thought it would be after seeing the injury, but sad to get the official word, I guess. You look at similar situation with Alec Burks. I mean, when he came back, he yeah. just never seemed like he was the same player. And you wonder if Exxon does come back, if he's going to be more hesitant to attack the basket at times. And really, that's that's his biggest strength is his ability to get to the basket with his elite first step. So hopefully he comes back the same player that is worth that good contract extension. Yeah, I agree. Then the last kind of roster odd and end that, that came out today and Honestly, was a little bit bummed about it, but uh, you know the the news broke that the Jazz decided to waive Joel Ballenboy, meaning that Royce O'Neal got the final spot. Um, I I know you are a big Ballenboy fan as a Weber State guy, uh, John. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I guess what are your thoughts on this? Did you is this what you thought would happen? Um, are you disappointed? Are you okay with it? What are your thoughts? So I have mixed emotions because as a Weber State alum, I wanted to see Ballenboy make the team. But yeah. I think when you look at it, there's two things. If it was purely off of play and potential of a future career in the NBA, I think Ball and Boy would have made the team. Yeah, he had the better preseason. He, I mean, he was lights out preseason. I was looking at his per 36 numbers, which I know we're always a little skewed for guys who only play eight to ten minutes a game, but mm-hmm. he was really efficient. He was hitting the three. He was aggressive, getting rebounds and dunking the ball and blocking shots. Like he just. He looked amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but once the Dante Exum injury happened, I think at that point it made sense to have Royce O'Neal just for your roster construction and your depth. We needed another body at the wing and the guard position, and we already are pretty deep when it comes to our um, bigs. Yeah. So it made sense to go with Royce O'Neal. And, and that, that being said, obviously I, I like Ballin Boy, but at the end of the day, Royce O'Neal is a terrific player. I think he is deserving to be on an NBA team. He's he's a great rebounder for the guard position. He plays terrific defense. I think the biggest question for him is going to be, can he shoot the three um, at a higher level than he has in the past? Because really that's the only thing holding him back from being on an NBA roster over the last couple of years. So, I mean, we'll see. I, I think they're both deserving, and it, it's a shame we could, didn't have 16 roster spots because they both deserve to be on the on the team. Yeah, no, I think you hit the nail on the head. And I mean, you think, too, obviously position had a big part in it. I mean, you look at the Jazz added, you know, um, Jonas Drebko, Epe Udo this offseason, um, both big men, obviously. Then you have, you know, Joe Johnson, who plays, is going to be playing the four most of the time. You have Cephalosha that on occasion can slide to the four. And really, there wasn't a ton of space in that front court for Ballenboy. Then on the flip side, you know, with the Exum injury, you talked on talked about that. Also, Neto is not completely healthy right now. I saw today that, you know, Nate Walters is going to be on the opening night roster. That's how thin we are right now at the guard position. So it does make sense to have Royce O'Neal. Um, but I agree. I, you know, I was really impressed with Ballenboy in preseason. Um, you mentioned his per 36 numbers, and just for fun, I have them pulled up here. You know, he it was 33.8 points and 16.9 rebounds per 36 minutes. And I mean, like you said, it's a small sample size. It was against less than NBA caliber talent, really. But that is just that's incredible, right there. And oh, yeah. and, and beyond that, the thing that was 
was the most impressive to me, though, was just his ability to hit the three. Yeah, yeah, shot 66.7% from three. And, and, uh, then 70... and obviously, over the course of the season, that's not going to happen. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. I, I think he showed a unique ability, especially to shoot above the break threes. Yep. Uh, and for those that don't understand what that means, um, above the free throw line, so top of the key and kind of in the, the edges of the three-point line and not the corners, Yep. Um, you don't see that a lot from big men. Most of them park out in the corners if they're going to shoot threes, but I mean, it really just opens the floor. If you have a trailing big man who can shoot the three off of pick and rolls up at the top of the key. Um, so, I mean, what's tough for me is when you're looking at the 15th roster spot, how much is this guy going to play anyway? Yeah, that's I mean, a good point. Ball and, good, ball and boy going to play? How much is Royce O'Neal going to play? And I think because of that, I was leaning towards ball and boy because if they're not going to play much anyway, take the guy who, in my in my mind, has the more upside, and that would have been ball and boy. Um, but, hey, like, I've said it before. The Jazz are so much smarter than me. Like I don't ever really question the moves they make. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think in short, you know, we both we understand it. Might be a little disappointed by it, but it makes sense. And I just hope that Ball and Boy does land with an NBA team. I think he's more than deserving, more than capable, and he can help a team out for sure. Well, with that being said, let's move on now to uh, point number two. Point two. All right, for point number two, wanted to start something new here on the three-point threat. Now that the season is getting underway, each week I wanted to look at the games the Jazz have ahead and just talk about the matchups they'll be going into, um, talk about what we can expect, and also make some predictions. Obviously, it'll be a little bit tricky since a lot of these teams we haven't seen play, you know, other than preseason. Um, but let's start out with, you know, this Wednesday, the Jazz will be hosting the Denver Nuggets in their home and season opener uh, John, what do you think we can expect when the Nuggets come to town on Wednesday? Um, a lot of offense. Yep. <laughs> That's their, their main calling card. Last year they were um, a top five offense, but they were also a bottom five defense. So they like to run, they like to score, they like to put up a lot of threes. Um, and they, they became a much better team once they got Nurkic and kind of opened up his potential. Oh, wait, sorry, Jokic. Yep. Right, Jokic, Nurkic. They sound the same. It's good. No. <laughs> they sound the same. You know who I'm talking about. Yep. Uh, but also, like, they brought in Paul Millsap this offseason, which I think, as Jazz fans, we know we love Paul Millsap. Um, he should be a great addition to their team. He's become really just an extremely versatile offensive player. He can shoot the three. He can take it down low. He can take players off the dribble. He's great at passing the ball. Um, and last year, they were 40-42. and 42. Um, how much does Paul Millsap increase that win total? I'm not sure. Um, I think it probably makes them closer to a 45-46 win team, um, which puts them right in line with us. And I think that's going to be the fun thing. To start out the season, we're going to find out early on how do we match up against this team that we're probably going to be fighting for for a playoff spot. So I think it's a really intriguing matchup, and it's, it's going to be a fun way to start the season. Yeah, I agree 100%. Looking forward to seeing Millsap you know, back in Salt Lake. My biggest concern with the Nuggets, um, you know, you mentioned their defense. That's obviously one of them. I think their front court of Jokic and Millsap is extremely solid. I think there's a lot of questions surrounding their back court, though. You know, even with Murray and with Harris, they're young, promising guards. But I think there's a lot of question marks with them, uh, with with Moutier um, as well. I also question their bench a little bit. Um, they're not exactly as deep as a team like the Jazz is. And then I know that Mike Malone is a guy that's been kind of on the hot seat. I, I question their coaching a little bit. So there are some questions surrounding the Nuggets. Um, be interesting to see if the Jazz can take advantage of those things. Yeah, I think 
the key matchup that I was looking at was the Jokic Millsap versus Gobert Favors. Yeah. That's going to be really fun to watch throughout the game. And, and honestly, um, I feel like Favors has done pretty well against Millsap in, in past years. He has in the past. I think the one thing I remember from Millsap when he played for us is he struggled against guys who had length, and Favors has length. Um, and he's also a strong guy who is mobile. Um, so I think it's going to be able to cause some problems for him. Yeah, definitely. So what's your what's your prediction on the game? What do you think the outcome will be? Um, opening night at home, new Vivint Smart Home Arena. I like to think that the Jazz are going to be able to, to win this game. Um, I think the biggest thing is just our defense is going to be able to outplay their offense. I think you pointed out just their guard play. I don't have a ton of confidence in their guards. I think they're young. Most of them are undersized. And I think the Jazz, with their size and length and their ability to defend and force turnovers, is going to cause problems for the Nuggets. And ultimately, I think we're going to be able to handle. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I, I had the exact same thoughts about, you know, brand new looking arena. Jazz are going to come out with energy. And I think more than anything, you know, they're going to be pretty determined to set the tone that, you know, right away they want the whole league to know that even without Hayward, they're still a force to be reckoned with. So I picked the Jazz in this one, too. I think it'll be a fun game. We'll see, you know, with how much the Nuggets run, it's going to be interesting to see if we try to match them now that we're going to try to little, run a little bit more or whether we can make them play at our pace. I don't know. I'm excited to see how that works out. Yeah, and I, I still – I know the Jazz are going to go faster, but I don't think we're going to run at the level of Denver. Yeah, I me mean, neither. We're going to be more like situational running. Off of missed shots, Ricky Rubio is going to look to throw it ahead or push the ball, but – Denver, man, they, they will run all day on you. Yep, they're relentless. <laughs> yep. And then, so after that one, you know, we have a day off, and then Friday, head to Minnesota. You know, obviously, John, Minnesota's a team that has been very hyped this offseason. They had a great summer, you know, adding Jimmy Butler and some other great guys. Um, I think this will be a tough one, uh, no no doubt. What are your thoughts on, on, Jazz's, on Jazz's matchup against the Timberwolves? Um, I think like a lot of the matchups, it's going to be fun to see the new look Minnesota Timberwolves. I think that's a big theme this offseason is everybody looks a little different. Um, but I know Minnesota, they brought in Jimmy Butler, Jeff T, Taj Gibson. I mean, they really had a terrific offseason. Um, but a lot of times that means they might struggle to begin. They're still trying to figure out how to work together. Um, I mean, last year was really just Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns. Like, they were the ones who had the ball and took the shots. Like, how are they going to be able to pull in Jimmy Butler and get him included? Um, but I think the biggest thing I'm going to look at is Minnesota and their defense. Um, Jimmy Butler is obviously a, a defensive first type player. And Tom Thibodeau is supposed to be a defense first coach. But last year they were the fifth worst defense in the league. Um, so I want to, I want to see if they can change that culture and they can become more like the jazz where they really focus and buckle down on defense and make it hard for other teams to score the ball. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, you know, I also think that um, last year Minnesota's bench was pretty dismal. You know, a lot of times the starters would, would build a pretty good lead, and that bench would come in and it would just disappear completely. Um, I think they've gotten a little better on that front with some of the guys they added, but I am curious to see their depth this year. Also, one thing that's been brought up a lot about the Timberwolves is just their, their lack of spacing and their lack of reliable three-point shooting. And then, you know, they're still really young. They added some veteran guys, obviously Jimmy Butler, Jeff T, great players. Um, but their main guys, I think I feel like they're building on are pretty young. And we saw that experience, you know, shine through a lot last year. I think their success really hinges on how much these guys grow up and mature. You know, we know what Butler's going to be. We know what Teague's going to be, you know, et cetera. 
But if, if Towns and Wiggins can really take the next step, that's going to define how good they really are. Yeah, I think Wiggins is really the player to watch. I think with Carl Anthony Towns, I mean, last year he already kind of jumped into that top 10 range. I mean, yeah. he's just an incredible player. Um, but Wiggins, when he was drafted, I mean, the big thing about him was even if his offense doesn't really come along, his defense is going to be spectacular. And so far, that just hasn't been the case. And I really, I'm interested to see how Jimmy Butler can have an effect on Andrew Wiggins. And if Andrew Wiggins can kind of view Butler as a mentor and really put the effort into it on defense, I mean, he has all the capabilities. He has the measurements. He has the athleticism. It's just been his intelligence and focus. And if he puts that together, I mean, you have a base of Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns who are both offensive and defensive just superstars. I mean, they're both 21, 22 years old. I mean, man, that's that's a bright future for that team. Um, but we'll see. Um, oh, a ra- random fun fact on Jimmy Butler. I have to share this just because I saw this earlier today in a tweet. Um, he and Kawhi Leonard are the only players who have more steals in their career than fouls. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it just goes to show you the, the effect that Jimmy Butler has been able to have on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, that's. I mean, that that speaks volumes too to their self control, their smart defense ability to make plays without fouling. That's that's a cool stat. That's awesome. Um, who do you have as the key matchup for this game, John? Uh, key matchup I had was Andrew Wiggins versus Rodney Hood. I think this will be a good matchup for Rodney Hood to see how he compares against another young kind of up and coming wing. Um, they're similar sizes, both about six eight. Um, I think it'll be fun to see if Hood can make Andrew Wiggins work on the defensive end, like we talked about the struggles he's had on defense. Um, I mean, I look at this as a game that if Rodney Hood really has taken that step, he should be able to score 20-plus points on Andrew Wiggins. But how is Rodney Hood going to defend Andrew Wiggins? Andrew Wiggins is a great offensive player, and um, I think when you look at our starting five, the one player who I look at on defense that maybe isn't a plus is Rodney Hood. Um, So I want to see if he kind of takes on more intensity in that role and see how they match up, see if he can kind of, um, I mean, Wiggins obviously just got that huge contract extension as well. And yeah. if Rodney Hood can play better than Andrew Wiggins, what does that say? I think he'll look at it as a game to prove his worth. Yeah, that, those are some great points there. And, you know, I agree that Hood's defense has been a little disappointing thus far. I'd love to see the rest of the team's mentality really rub off on him this year and hopefully he takes a big leap in that area as well. We all know that we need Hood to score this year, um, but would love to see him lock it up on the defensive end as well. All that being said, I'll give my prediction first this time, John. I actually do have the Jazz drop in this one, um, kind of for a similar reason that I think the Jazz will win their first game. You know, it's their home opener, going to come out excited. I feel like Minnesota's going to come out the same way. We play them on their second game of the season, but it's their home opener. Um, I have a feeling they are going to come out really full of energy, and they may get the better of us on this one. Obviously, the Jazz have a lot to figure out still. First road game, could see some kinks there. That's going to be my prediction for this one. What were your thoughts on the outcome of the game? Um, I was kind of on the same page. As much as I I think these two teams might be closer than a lot of people think. I I know prediction models are saying Minnesota is going to win close to 50 games. I I don't know if that's true. I think they're still young and they're still going to be learning how to incorporate their new pieces. Um, I also forgot this is Ricky Rubio's homecoming to Minnesota. I forgot that too. That's a great point. I I didn't even think about that. I wonder how he'll play and 
maybe take it personal that they took him for granted. Um, but at the end of the day, I think Minnesota has so much talent. It's going to be their um, home opener, our first game on the road. Like, I think it'll be close. I feel like in the past, if memory serves me, Minnesota always seems to play as well, even when they've been a really bad team. Yeah. Um, and I think at home with the new pieces they've added, I would probably give the edge to Minnesota in this one. Yeah, I'm with you there. And that's that's funny. I don't know how that slipped my mind as well, that you're right, this is Ricky Rubio's homecoming. Um, going to be going to be interesting to see how he does there. Hopefully he has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Just watch. He's going to make like five three-pointers, and it's going to be awesome. Seriously, love it. I can't wait to see that. Um, then the last one, Saturday, you know, I'm a little surprised, John, that, you know, we're three games into the season. You know, we've extended out the, the season, made it a little bit long or start a little bit earlier, yet still... You know, the Jazz have a back-to-back, you know, on game three. <laughs> I was a little disappointed to see that. And, of course, who's it against? Not only a division opponent, but it's against the Oklahoma City Thunder, who I think are going to be pretty dang good this year if they can get all their awesome pieces to fit together. They look great on paper. We'll see how the chemistry works out. But what do you make of them? What do you make of that game? I think that's going to be one of the most interesting games to start the season. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be one of those games that I think everybody's going to want to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, just to see the new look Thunder. I mean, we just talked about Minnesota, but the Thunder, I mean, they picking up Paul George and Carmelo Anthony in one off season, and Patrick Peterson. I think that's an underrated one. I think he's going to be a great pickup. Um, I mean, they could be a terrific team. They won, what was it, 46 or 47 games last year, and they didn't have Melo and Paul George. Yeah. And they could really be a terrific team. I think the biggest thing for them is just going to be how are they going to, I and mean, we always hear there's only one ball. And I think that's going to be the biggest question with them is how does their offense look with three players who are capable of dominating the ball and getting their own shot at any given moment? Um, who's going to be willing to take the backseat? Is it going to be mellow? Who's a little bit older? Everyone keeps saying, Oh, we're going to see Olympic mellow. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've never seen it in the NBA. <laughs> I mean, if we see it, I think that's terrific. I think that's that's the best case scenario for them is that Mello becomes Olympic Mello and kind of reverts to I'm okay with being the third option. I'm just going to hit spot up three pointers and in late shot clock or end of quarter situations, I'll post up and take advantage of anybody who's on me because he's I mean he's still an incredible offensive player who can score on essentially anybody. Definitely. So, I mean, we'll see. Yeah, you know, if they can combine uh, Olympic Mellow with Hoodie Mellow, you know, he could be in the MVP conversation. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, the thing about this team, well, let me let me uh, go backwards a little bit here. As much as I, I loathe and dislike the Warriors, <laughs> I mean, a lot of people said the same thing about them. There's only one ball. But you know what? They figured it out. They made it work. They made Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. They made that work. So, really, it's all about, like you said, if the Thunder can make this work, they could be a special team. The thing I like about them, and I've touched on this a little bit before, is that you have um, you have Paul George, and then you have Robertson, who are elite defenders that you can count on to kind of make up for Carmelo's not so great defense. And so I think they're going to be good on both ends of the ball. Um, like you mentioned, I like the Patrick Patterson signing as well. Um, I don't know. I just feel like if Golden State didn't exist, I feel like the Thunder would be up there as one of the premier title contenders. I think they're going to be very, very good. Um, I'm excited to see how they actually come together, to be honest. Um, yeah, I think they'll be great. I mean, I, I would predict them to be top four in the West. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it will just be interesting to watch how they're able to work. Because, I mean, Golden State was a little different when they got Kevin Durant. Because yeah. I mean, you looked at their offense, you looked at the way they played, and even though they already had these superstars, they were 
similar to the Jazz, where they moved the ball a lot. Yep. And that seemed like the ball stuck. OKC in that pass, their history of coaching has been get the ball to Kevin Durant, get the ball to Russell Westbrook, clear out. And now if you've got three superstars, who's the odd man out? Who's not getting enough touches? And it really comes down to coaching. I think the players, if they're winning games, I think the players will buy in. But is their coach going to be able to alter the offense away from that isolation-type play and incorporate a more ball-movement-type offense? Yeah, and you worry about the egos, obviously, of those guys. All of them at some point or another, you know, have shown to have, have proved to have a pretty big ego. It's all going to come down to chemistry, as, we, as we've said. I definitely agree. I like um, to think Melo, who, what is Melo, 33 years old now? Yeah, something um, like that. I like to think he's gotten to a point where he's going to put his ego aside and start thinking about maybe his legacy. And yeah. Is he going to be viewed for the rest of his life as a guy who never won a championship and always cared about getting buckets before winning games? Um, and, and maybe he's turned a page. Maybe he's more focused on winning games now. And he's going to be willing to take that smaller role if it helps the team. Yeah, definitely agree. Uh, who's your key matchup in this game on Saturday? Um, I want to see Westbrook versus Ricky Rubio. Nice. I think Russell Westbrook in the past has just tortured us. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, last year we were the better team overall. We had the better record. But whenever we played each other, the Thunder seemed to have the edge because we just couldn't handle Russell Westbrook. Um, and I, I like the idea of having Ricky Rubio on him because of his length and his defensive intelligence and capabilities. Um I think that's going to be the key. Can can Ricky Rubio, no one can stop Russell Westbrook, but can he make him work for his shots? Can he prevent him from getting all the way to the basket? Can he force him into some of his bad pull-up three-pointers or jump shots? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I feel like with Westbrook, you know, he has his 30-point games where he does it on, you know, 50% shooting from the field. Then he has his 30-point games where he does it on 30% shooting from the field. And if you can yeah. keep him to that 30% shooting or whatever it is, you're going to be in a good spot to win. Um, you know, that may change now that he's not the sole, you know, focal point of their offense, uh, but still going to be very important to neutralize him, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think, I mean, that's kind of my key matchup, but the other one that I always find interesting, and this is just one of those matchups that I find interesting, I don't know if other people do, I like when Steven Adams and Gobert go at it. I agree. I just think they're fun to watch because they're both just so big and lumbering and, Gobert is maybe a little bit more graceful and long, and Adams is just big and stocky and early, and it's just kind of fun to watch them battle it out. Yeah, no, I agree. It's a fun one. They both kind of have a, a similar fire, too, kind of a permanent chip on their shoulders, and so I think that makes it for a fun matchup, too. Yeah, I, I expect Adams to have a much better year this year. I think last year they, with all the departures, Adams was asked to do a little bit more than he's capable of doing on offense. Yeah. Now we can go back to focus just on finishing lobs and making layups and getting putbacks and outside of that just rebound the ball and play defense i think that'll be really good for Adams. yeah i mean before when he was you know more or less their third option with katie and westbrook i mean he had a a solid year in that year that the uh you know the thunder went to the western conference finals now he's going to be yeah now he's going to be their fourth scoring option you know give or take that's going to be yeah i agree with you i think you could have a great year as well um, as far as my prediction for this game Saturday, uh, I think the Jazz will be able to compete with the Thunder most of the time. Just the fact that this is early in season and it's a, a back-to-back right off the bat, I do think the Thunder are going to win. Um, I said in my, my preview piece earlier today on Janos.com, 
that, you know, I've been preaching optimism all off season long and, you know, here I go putting the jazz at one and two to start off the season. Um, but, but that being said, I do think that even if they have a little bit of a rocky start here in this first week, you know, after this eight of their next 11 games are at home, I think they'll write the ship and I still think they'll be fine. Don't think that I've gone all pessimistic on everybody, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them start out one and two starting to get kinks worked out. Um, so anyway, yeah, long story short, I do think they will fall to the thunder in this one. Yeah, I'm the same. Um, and really, most people who know me view me as a very optimistic person. Um, I'm definitely a homer when it comes to the Jazz. <laughs> um, I, I think it's really the fact that it's it's a back-to-back game. Yeah. If there was a day of rest in between this, I think I might, early this early in the season, I think I would give the edge to the Jazz. But coming off the back-to-back, and with all the firepower that OKC has, I do think the Thunder are going to be able to pull this one out. Um, I like to think it's going to be a close game, though. I don't think I don't, I don't see the Jazz getting blown out really in many games. I just Me think neither. they're too competitive for that. Their defense is too good. They have too much pride, and especially at home, I think they can keep it close. Uh, but in the end, I think the Thunder are going to be able to, to win this one. Yeah, especially with the style they play. Don't I agree with you. Don't see a lot of blowouts this year. Um, so that's actually a good segue into our last point. Want to just give you know with the season two days away our final thoughts and predictions for the upcoming season. So with that being said, let's move on now to point number three. Point three. All right, for the third and final point, you know, obviously we've made it through the long and, and brutal offseason. Uh, the start of the regular season for the Jazz is just two days away. I just wanted to visit with John a little bit about our final thoughts, um, our final predictions for the 2017-18 season. So um, it's okay with you, John. I'll go first here. Um, my first initial thought after seeing preseason is I, I still think this is a playoff team. Um, the Jazz's offense really surprised me in a good way during preseason. And again, I know that it's preseason. I know that we didn't have you know the best opponents. But the fact that we were sixth in the league in points per game in preseason, scored 112.2 points per game, and we were fifth in the league in offensive rating, I mean, I don't think that was a fluke. The way we're sharing the ball, the way we're moving on offense... I do think our offense is going to be better than people think, and I'm just—I still think playoffs are well within reach of this team. Oh yeah, definitely, I agree. Um, that was one of my big takeaways, and I, I know like the level of competition wasn't super impressive. I mean, we played two teams who were not even in the NBA. We played Phoenix twice, and they're barely in the NBA. And then we played the Lakers. So I mean, the level of competition wasn't great, but the fact that they were the fifth best offensive rated team and then still the fourth best defensive rated team. Yeah. I mean, they were top five in both, which you just, if they were able to do that during the regular season, I mean, they're a championship contender, so let's not think that that's really going to be realistic. But the one thing it told me is the Jazz are going to be just fine on offense. Like, I, I know it's hard without Gordon Hayward, hard without George Hill, but I think the way that Quinn Snyder has set up this offense with it being so... Uh, ball movement oriented and setting pick and rolls like I, I just think the Jazz are going to be fine they're going to get open looks they have capable shooters I really like the combo of Ricky Rubio and Rudy Gobert um, that pick and roll is just so effective because Gobert is just such she has such a wide catch radius and Rick, Ricky Rubio is just such a smart passer that it either ends up in a, a great shot for Rudy Gobert where he either makes it or gets fouled or Ricky Rubio gets all the way to the basket, or he's smart enough that he can find the open man for three. Um, I just think it's going to be really hard for teams to defend us. Yeah, especially as those, as those two get more and more comfortable with one another. It's going to be exciting to see. You know, A lot of people have tried to temper their expectations on what Gobert's scoring is going to be like this year. 
But, I mean, you look at that last game against the Lakers in preseason where he just exploded for, you know, I, I think it was 29 points. And, um, you know, I would not be surprised to see a lot of games like that from him. You know, I'm not saying he's going to average 29 points every game, but a lot more games where he really explodes and Rubio sets him up. And I could see him averaging high teens this year in scoring. I think that's very much within reach for him. Yeah, I think that was probably my biggest prediction is – I think Rudy Gobert is going to score more than I initially thought. Yeah. Uh, when it, when, I mean, when the season started, or preseason started, I mean, my expectations were he scores maybe 14 to 16 points a game um, and then gets about the same amount of rebounds and blocks. Um, what I didn't realize, I was listening to uh, David Locke's Locked on Jazz podcast. Um, I had no idea last season he only shot the ball 7.7 times a game. Wow. That's barely any shots. I mean, seven to eight shots a game. I mean, in this offense, with the way that we're set up, and Rubio's passing, I mean, he could get 12 shots a game. And if he shoots 70% from the field, chances are he's making three or four of those additional shots. And now he's an 18-point game a scorer. Um, and same thing with free throws. Like, I was impressed this preseason at how often it seemed like he was going to the free throw line. Because he just attacks the basket. He's got those long go-go gadget arms that I mean people can't get the ball and they end up just getting his arm and he gets fouled and if he can shoot free throws at 65 to 70 percent I mean I I don't want to say he's going to do it but like the crazy expectation would be he finishes with 20 points a game it is crazy of a prediction that is when you really think about it it's not that crazy I, I honestly I think he ends up with about 18 a game um, but I think that's going to be the biggest surprise this year is Rudy Gobert on offense and his ability to score the ball. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you look at his um, stat line from that last game against the Lakers. I mean, 10 of 12 from the field and 9 of 11 from the free throw line. I mean, yes, that was just one game, but if you yeah. can even have anywhere and, close to that, it's going to be incredible. Yeah, and he's going up against Julius Randle a lot of times at center, who's only 6'9". Yeah. Yeah, so I mean that is definitely an outlier. He's not able to do that every single night, but definitely well, I mean, some reassuring signs. Yeah, he, he led the team in scoring at sixteen point three points in only twenty five minutes a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, during the season, he's probably averaging thirty four minutes a game. Yeah, so, I don't know, the numbers are there. It's only the preseason, but I mean, it really. I I think Rudy Gobert is gonna. If he's not an all-star this year, I just don't know if it ever happens because it just looks like everything is in place for him to have a huge year. Yeah, I agree. The other guy, you know, I think all Jazz fans would agree with this um, that I was super impressed with was obviously Donovan Mitchell. You know, I think we got a special guy all year or all summer. I've been trying to really pump the brakes on not getting too excited about him. But every time that I try to temper my expectations, he does something incredible like he did in that last preseason game. Obviously, you know, it's going to be more challenging for him when regular season gets underway. He'll have a little bit of a, a shorter leash as far as, you know, not going to be logging as many minutes in or anything like that. But I'm really excited about the guy. I think he's going to be a contributor from day one. Yeah, and I think that's the silver lining to the Dante Exum injury. Yes, we get more minutes for Donovan Mitchell. Um, yeah, I mean, he looked incredible. He's a rookie. I mean, every once in a while, he's going to be making a lot of mistakes. He's going to turn the ball over. He'll probably take shots that we say, why did you shoot that? Um, but outside of that, I mean, he has all the components of someone who can be a star in the NBA. Um, I think the thing that excites me most is still just going to be his defense. The fact that, I mean, the Jazz really just drafted the perfect player for their organization. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many rookies do you draft who have the ability on offense, but 
would rather focus on defense first. I mean, you just don't see that very often. Yeah. Um, I mean, he always just says the right things in interviews about how like, he's going to focus on bringing defensive te- intensity and being a plus on the defensive end before he looks for it on the offensive end. Um, I think he's going to be terrific. I'm really excited for Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I agree. Then I guess, you know, looking at the team as a whole, I still think, you know, with, with some of the growing pains we'll have, you know, with getting over the loss of Hayward and, and Hill and just kind of adapting to a new team, I do think we won't win quite as many as last year. Um, but I do still think, you know, the high 40s, somewhere in the 40s is very much realistic. And what I keep saying, John, I keep saying that, you know, even if this team isn't quite as successful as last year in terms of their record or the number of games they win, uh, especially with how much deeper the Western Conference has gotten, I honestly think this year's team is going to be more fun than last year's. There's a lot of guys that I'm just excited to see. I think there's a chemistry. Um, there's a style that we showed during preseason. I mean, you look at that Jazz Lakers preseason game, and that was one of the most exciting preseason games I think I've ever seen. So if we're in for something like that, you know, throughout most of the regular season, I think we're in for quite a treat and quite a fun season. Yeah, definitely. The Jazz are just going to be fun to watch. I mean, last year was great. It was fun seeing us in the playoffs, and I, I still think we're going to get here or get there. Um, but so far this year, it just seems like they're having fun. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it fun to watch is you just watch them out there and you think, man, these guys really enjoy playing basketball together. And I don't know if you follow the team on, on Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that, but it just seems like even off the court, they seem to enjoy each other's company. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, see them hanging out and doing stuff together. Like the other day, a couple of them were at Top Golf. Like over the summer, Rudy Gobert was always out boxing with, Rodney Hood and Neto. Yeah. Uh, but they're just, they're going to be a fun team to watch. And I, I agree. I still think they're a playoff team. I think it's going to be tough in the West. Um, I think they have to take the model of the Memphis and Indiana model of a few years ago, where they win more games than they maybe should because they outwork teams. They yeah. just don't take nights off. And, it just happens in the NBA. Like sometimes teams take a day off and they get lazy, and the Jazz just can't be one of those teams if they're going to make the playoffs in the West. So. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think, you know, Quinn touched on that their margin of error is much smaller now than it ever was. Um, but I also think that they have a group of guys that, that realizes that, and they're not going to be a group that takes nights off. The nice thing, too, though, is if we have one or two guys that are having enough night or aren't quite locked in, you know, we have we have such good depth that I think is really going to set us apart this year. I'm looking forward to seeing both our first and second unit really step up and be exceptional this year. So I'm yeah, looking I forward to it. Right. Um, I, I think that's the key is just our depth is going to be a big difference maker, too. Like you, you go across the roster and look at every position, and it's rough not to have Dante Exum, but I still think Kyle Neto is a very capable backup point guard mm-hmm. in the NBA. Um, I was trying to think about it today. Like, I think we all have high hopes for Dante, and we think he's going to have a really good year, but is the drop-off that large from Dante Exum to Kyle Neto? I don't think it's as big as a lot of people might think. Yeah, I think their career trajectory, it's a big drop-off. I think Dante, like, the sky's the limit, but... Um, as of right now, this season, I think they're closer than people think. Um, and that was actually something that I think is going to be surprisingly fun to watch, is if Neto gets more playing time, I like the combo of how Neto and Rudy Gobert. I mean, they're best friends off the court, and I, I think they they match up well on the court. I think they're going to work well together. Um, it's just going to be a fun season. There's a lot of players I'm looking forward to seeing. Like, I mean, we haven't even talked about. Alec Burks, and now he's probably going to play more now because Dante Exum is out, and I think he's going to be really fun to watch 
Yeah, no, I agree. And that's, that's something that we know that Burks is another guy that needs to step up big time. And even though Exum was a guy I was looking forward to seeing, I just feel like this is still a year of discovery. I mean, we still have guys like Burks. We still have guys like Hood, uh, Favors, that absolutely have to just step up and, and prove themselves this year. So seeing whether they do that or not is going to be part of the fun, part of the ride. And, and I just can't wait. We're, we're two days away. It's coming up soon. And it's just going to be great. So any further thoughts you have, John? Or does that pretty much wrap up your sentiment on the Jazz this year? Um, I think that's about it. My prediction was they're going to win 42 games, though, just to throw it out there. Okay. I have 42 games. I think that's going to be just enough for the eight seed. To sneak into the eight seed. Okay. I was a little more optimistic. I'm thinking 46 based on what we've seen so far. Um, but really, I think anywhere in the 40s is very much realistic. And, and a lot of it's going to depend on some of those close games, you know, stealing some that maybe they shouldn't. I just love what you said about, you know, outworking teams every night. That's going to be the key for sure. So awesome. Well, with that being said, that's going to wrap it up um, for the show. John, thanks a ton for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Jake. Yeah, we'll definitely do some more previews like this, you know, throughout the season, and we'll see how good we are predicting the future on these games. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Awesome. Well, everyone listening out there, make sure you follow us um, on at the J Notes on Twitter as well as at Three P Threat Podcast. I'm really looking forward to keeping you with with jazz content all year, and, and only two days left, guys. Uh, strap in, and until next time, go Jazz. <laughs>